Welcome to Interviews with Innocence, a podcast about spirituality, consciousness, and exploring the wisdom our children bring into this world. I believe that our very young children are our greatest teachers. After all, they're the masters of living in the present moment, bubbling in unconditional love, enjoying the messiness of life, and curious about the universe in all its dimensions. The pure essence that young children exhibit lives within all of us. My hope is that these interviews will help us discover, embrace, and connect with the sacred core of childhood that resides within each of our hearts. I am your host, Marla Hughes. I am super excited to announce that my first children's book, Love Magic, is now on Amazon for purchase. Love Magic is a heartfelt and magical story about the enduring power of love. It's about a little girl named Charlie who has a loved one who passes, and her journey addresses the universal question of how do we stay connected with our loved ones when they pass on. It gently touches upon the magical ways in which our loved ones can continue to guide us through nature, music, love, and everything in between. I hope you will check it out on Amazon and possibly purchase it. And if you do, please leave me a review. Without further ado, let's go to the next interview. I'm always so excited to have Michael Mayo on the show. Michael has become such a good friend of mine and I just love the guy. And Michael is an international trained medium, astrologer, and spiritual teacher. He developed his mediumship in the United Kingdom under mediums such as Gordon Smith and Eileen Davies. Michael brings a practical, grounded, and evidential style to his spiritual work. With his passion for teaching and helping others discover their own unique connection, he has taught and studied in the U.S., Europe, and Australia. He is also a second-generation astrologer with over 18 years of understanding astrological theory. Throughout his many years of working with the spirit world, he has brought messages of love and hope from those on the other side of life. His greatest mission is to show that life, like love, is eternal. Michael also just recently um, started a beautiful or founded a beautiful institute which is now online but will have a um actual um beautiful retreat area to visit one day soon hopefully and it's called the oak bridge institute so we're going to be talking about that today and also all the things that he's been up to i just found out he just wrote a book while we were chatting. So Michael, welcome to the program. Thanks, Marla. I always enjoy being here with you and your audience. Uh, so yeah, thanks for having thank me. You. you are welcome. So wow, the pandemic and you know, we talked a while back and so many things going on. And I know you've been offering a lot of just amazing evidential mediumship classes. They've been very successful. And you did one on the Shift Network, which is such a you know a reputable and place to have these and what it what an honor and how how blessed they were to have you come in and teach so how do you feel your intentions and your work has changed have changed in the past year 
with the pandemic and the craziness in the world? And how have you changed? Yeah, that's a big question. Um, <laughs> definitely, I would say within my work, you know, I think when I think about like this whole time period with this pandemic and um, kind of the journey of my work and, and where things have gone, I, I kind of think this is one of those instances where I can sort of stop and look back and it's then that things start making sense. You know, when you're in it, it's kind of hard to see what was the purpose of this or why was it, why did it work out this way? Um, and I found for myself that as I kind of look back now, you know, building the Oak Bridge Institute was something I've had as a dream for the last, you know, five, seven years, right? And so I've always wanted a physical place to, you know, go to as well and create all of that and how perfectly uh, the spirit world timed that because it turned into this online thing first, right? And then it is going to be a physical location, but how perfect that it didn't happen before the pandemic, right? right. That wouldn't have worked out in my favor by any means. Um, and so, you know, I'm very much a person who always tries to follow the influence of what I'm being guided. Now, by that, I don't mean that I'm sitting there every day with a pendulum trying to see, you know, what I'm supposed to be doing, but rather learn to follow this when you feel that push to take a step forward. And I think that that's one of the biggest things that I have really accepted, especially about, you know, the pandemic and my work with, with how all of this is going to play out. And just following those nudges and trusting that, you know what, I don't see the end goal. I can only see the next step in front of me. And I think that that has helped me also manage through the pandemic because for me, I'm a, I'm a germaphobe on a good day. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So now put a pandemic in the world. Um, and I've had to learn really how to take care of myself mentally right? That's been huge. And I think a lot of people can um, relate to that. And yes, I have my spiritual you know, abilities and my practices and those have absolutely helped me, but there's more than that, right? Like we still have to take care of our own sort of um, mental well-being when we have this sort of, I don't you could really consider it like a global trauma, right? Like this is like a global trauma and learning how to move through that. And I think the biggest thing that I've kind of taken away from this experience uh, personally, and also with clients, also with seeing other people, is the word resilience. And I think that for me, that's been something for myself, having experienced over the, the time we've had the pandemic, but also seeing so many other people like find their way and like step into their strength and like learn how to move beyond the challenges that are happening for them in their lives. Um, because there's been a lot, right, for a lot of people in this time period. So I'd say that's how I personally have kind of grown and changed over the time. And as far as my work, um, there is a blessing in this challenge of, you know, the pandemic in that everything has moved online. Everyone has had more time to sort of explore their spirituality because now they're faced with themselves and, and kind of various times being kind of stuck in <laughs> with just themselves basically. And uh, that's kind of sparked a lot of people's interest in developing 
their their mediumistic or psychic awareness and understanding that there's more. So that has really grown all of my work. I mean, my my work has exploded since that point. So that's that's where I'm kind of at with everything. Wow. So so Michael, when you say that you get these nudges, is that when you are meditating, quieting your mind or can a nudge be all of a sudden you get a phone call from a publishing company or someone? And how does that, number one, how does that work for you? I'm sure it's in many different ways. And also what can people do to be more aware of those nudges? Because we all get them. It's just if we, if we notice them. Absolutely. Um, for myself, I've really learned uh, over my life that my life works better when I allow things to happen to me <laughs> rather than me like grit and bear it and like struggle and strife. Like that doesn't work for me. I, it may work for other people, other personalities that can like power through things. But for me, I've had to learn to just wait and then respond right? Wait and then respond. And that's not to say I don't do things in the meantime, right? But for me, um, it, it's it's several things. It's learning how to be move into a state of allowing um, where you have maybe things that you want or there's things that, that are goals without, you know, making, being so attached to the outcome, looking or feeling or be a certain way, right? So I think that's number one, if you kind of have that framework where it's like, yeah, that would be great if this happened, but I'm going to trust that wherever it is I'm meant to be, that will never pass me by, right? right? And so if you start with that framework, it's pretty easy then to then go, okay. So with that in mind, what I also have learned is to, a phrase that I say to a lot of people is to follow the open doors. So rather than try to bang down a door to achieve something or to make something happen, see what is available to you in that moment and trust that sometimes the closed door is just directing you to a, the right door, right? The one that's meant to be open. And so I, I tend to, so that's kind of my philosophy on how that works. When it comes to the actual spiritual sort of nudge or the experience of that, um, it's, it, like you said, it comes in many different forms, but um, one thing I've learned is to not try to like go to my helpers and be like, can you please give me this answer? I think many people often feel like if I sit in meditation and I go, hey, give me this answer, they're going to somehow give it to me. And I've never been very successful at that <laughs> personally. Um, but instead, what I've learned is that when I'm meant to know something, they give it to me. And that could be doing random things, right? Like I could be driving along and all of a sudden, whoop, here comes this inspiration of like, this is the thing. Or perhaps a circumstance presents itself that is perfectly aligned to what it is that I'm wanting to accomplish. Um, and so when I see something like that, or I feel that feeling within me that says, oh, pay attention. So that's a very specific feeling for me. It's never do this thing, Michael, because this is the outcome we're going for. It's not this explanation. It's there's a feeling inside. You need to pay attention to what's happening right now. Something important is nearby, right? And so in that experience, I've learned to just become passive and just become present when I feel that feeling. And when I do that, I'm able to kind of get a sense of where the energy is moving, where the energy is flowing. And then I'm able to respond to that. 
So that's kind of the nudges that I mean, is this sort of like, it's like a little, how do I describe this? It's like arising from within. It's like a, a peaking of one's attention or almost like you're being mm, tapped on the shoulder in some way. It's like, hey, can we just, just pay attention here for a moment because something is happening. And you get a feeling because um, you know, as a medium, as a psychic, I'm used to sensing and feeling energy. And so um, most of the time, it's nothing. Most of the time, it's just normal. Like contrary to popular belief, mediums aren't walking around sensitive all the time. <laughs> so when a moment like that does arise, that stands out to me, right? When it's like, I'm just doing my normal life and all of a sudden, oh, there's like almost like this breakthrough, you know, grabbing my attention. I go, oh, there's something here. Does that make sense? Yeah. When was it, if you can remember, when was sort of your aha moment? Because from what I've learned is that, you know, we get most many times when people are first going down this path and, you know, they just think it's their imagination and yeah. they just brush it off, you know, but when was your, when did you start knowing it was a nudge and that you needed to listen? Did anything specific happen or did it just sort of evolve over time? Yeah. I think that it was a series of events where I felt a specific feeling and when I responded to it rather than ignored it, a really positive outcome came after it. Mm, yes. And and that I think is how I learned how to do that. Like I'm thinking of, I think there was about three different times where I had, one of them actually was, was when I went to start working with Gordon Smith. It was before I even knew I was gonna work with him you know, at all. <clears throat> and I had taught a, a circle and a mediumship development circle. And after the circle, like my mind was just very, very busy and I was very, very active and I was laying down to go to bed. And as I'm sort of just laying there and sort of drifting, all of a sudden I felt that feeling and me this sort of like, like uh, building in my solar plexus or almost, I, I used to call it like, it felt like a push at the back of my neck and a pulling on my solar plexus. That's a very specific feeling that I don't normally get. And I felt that and I go, oh, okay. I feel like there's something here. Some, there's something from the spirit they're trying to give me. And all of a sudden I heard clairaudiently Gordon Smith. And obviously I knew of Gordon Smith the previous year I had maybe heard some people mention him, but I heard it very clearly. Um, and I, I was like, oh, okay. And I just waited for the next thing to come which was look up Gordon Smith right now. So I got up, I went to the computer and when I, found his you know website I was like oh he's all the way in Scotland how the heck am I ever gonna go over there but I noticed that there was this course that was on my birthday coming up and I thought oh wow okay well that's kind of cool so then I did the thing that I do which is allow and I said okay spirit if this is meant for me I'm gonna hand this to you if it's meant to come to me then then great if not no big deal so I completely let go forgot about it everything then I think a day or two later, I was standing at a, at a computer and um, all of a sudden I got that nudge again. And I was like, huh, okay, I'm supposed to pay attention. And I said, they said, look up flights. I felt this feeling of like, look up flights. I looked up flights. I think I found a, like a round trip ticket to the UK for like 349 or something crazy <laughs> like that. Right. And that I like blew my mind and I was like, wait, I can afford this. I can do this. I can get, I can get there and do all of this. 
And so then I did like in that moment, I did that thing. And that honestly, like opened up so that changed so much for me once I started to, you know, go back and forth to the UK and, and develop. But um, yeah, so that's an example of one of those instances where I felt the nudge. And then I thought to myself, okay, I'm supposed to relax and just see what I'm supposed to be paying attention to. Sometimes they'll give me a, a voice or sometimes they'll give me an impression of something. Other times it's just to pay attention to what is coming, what is happening and just be present and then let myself be guided that way. So I never try to, you know, think it's going to look, feel, or be a certain way. I don't have an expectation around it. Right. You know, that happened to me when I went out to meet Raymond Moody and I just, I had never heard of Raymond Moody. <laughs> Sorry, Raymond. <laughs> and I had not thought about going to Georgia to meet with his partner. And then he was there and, and so on and so forth. And it's almost like I don't even remember how it happened, but I know it happened. And it was a really big, big deal. You know, it, it was just like you. All of a sudden, I was just, you know, getting on flights to go out and meet him. Exactly. And it's just amazing how those things happen. How do you feel we could... I know you worked with children in Australia and that was a long time ago, but also in other places um, that we could encourage children at a young age, even though many of them already do it, yeah. but to trust yeah. these feelings. So then they can take it into, you know, teenage adulthood and have, have that to help, to help guide them. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, it's always, it's always interesting, the topic of children and, um, mediumistic and psychic awareness, because I don't know if I've ever shared this on this um, podcast, but I have my own sort of theory as to why kids are, you know, psychic or, or mediumistic in any way. And I feel like almost all kids are. And the reason I believe is it comes through why I, um, how I teach mediumship. So I teach my students to try to get out of their thinking mind right? That's my whole job is like, we're the thinking mind is the antithesis to your uh, spiritual experience. And what do kids not have? <laughs> a developed prefrontal cortex. <laughs> so yeah. their thinking yeah. mind isn't as there to kind of block this sort of connection of being present in the moment. And so because they have that naturally, because they're developing, they're growing, um, I believe that they have an easier access to the spirit world to psychic information, to past lives, to all of these different things because of that. Now, as they get older, you tend to notice that that starts to diminish a little bit. And I think there's an appropriateness to that. Like, I think they do need to be able to develop their individual identity and all of those sorts of things. But I feel like what we can support them in is that mindfulness, that becoming present, that not letting themselves get caught up in the stories um, of our interactions with life, right? I, I, I'm sure you remember being a young person and everything having so much weight to it <laughs> because your life experience is so limited. And so, you know, we make these, you know, big proclamations of this is just how my life is now and, and all these sorts of things when we're, especially those teenage years, right? right? I think if we can start, you know, kids with learning how to just become still, reconnect in with themselves and make that a habit for them throughout their life, what a tool you're providing them with to learn how to 
connect back in. Now, could that also cultivate some sort of or support their, you know, mediumistic or psychic awareness maintaining intact, like all the way through that transition um, into older age? Possibly. But I think more valuable is their ability to have a tool that's going to help them to reconnect with themselves when they are uh, feeling out of control or feeling emotionally overwhelmed or all these sorts of things so that they can process and really learn how to identify what is it that I need right now and then how to communicate that, right? To me, those I think are such strong and important things and those can happen through a mindfulness or meditative uh, practice that we can teach them early on. Right. So when, when you're talking about, and I totally agree with what you just said, and you say that they can kind of connect with their, you know, with their selves, with their inner selves, where does connecting with something more powerful than themselves, where does that, where does that come in? Yeah. And so I feel like because our inner selves is divine, right? we are connecting to that thing that is more powerful, mm -hmm. but we're connecting to our shade, our color, our note, whatever you want wow. to think of it. We're connecting to that side of us. Um, and then I do think, yes, there is this experience of something bigger than oneself, but remember that the first steps in all mediumistic or psychic development is connecting with us first, right? And understanding the self. And I feel that the more that a child can do that and connect in with whatever is there presently for them, right? Not what it's gonna be, not what they need to change into, what's present. That opens the opportunity for that divine presence to join them. Does that make sense? We have to become aware of ourselves first so that we can differentiate between what's us, what's not us. Right? And that's kind of where kids are, right? In their development, especially at certain ages, they are, um, at times more individualized and at other times very connected to the, the circumstances and the people around them, right? And so that whole growing process for them is that balance between what's me, what's not me, right? And so that's why I think it's so important, especially in the earlier years, to just help them to connect in with what is them and learn how to tell what's them versus not, not them, right? Because so many challenges that kids come, you know, happen come from their experiences with their environment, their experiences Absolutely. with their parents, their caregivers, primate caregivers, all that sort of thing. And so learning that I feel like is so much more vital in the beginning. And then as we continue on, that grows, that changes, and that develops into perhaps a more spiritual awareness of themselves. Uh, that's, yes, it's so true. And I think knowing yourself, I I feel sort of funny saying this, but it's almost like I've just recently awakened that people truly are a product of their environment. <laughs> you know, I mean, there's, a, there's more than that, but there's a lot of that. Yeah. And I don't know how it's like hit me all like slamming all of a sudden, but how beautiful for a child to be able to have that inner knowing of themselves too, and not just be a product of their environment Absolutely. because as we know kids or adults unfortunately especially here in the United States no one has a second 
to be present. Right. And these kids are so overscheduled. And if so, but I think it is changing. And I, you said something earlier about the pandemic forced everyone to sort of be quiet and maybe go in within. And I'm even finding my own, some of my own circles that I never thought I would hear this. They're starting to say, you know, I just need to have some quiet time first, or I just, this is my sacred time, this amount of time in the morning and no one can, I need that for the day. And do you feel like that more of that's coming into the, into people's lives? Absolutely. I think you're exactly right. Um, I think once people recognize, oh, there is this sort of inner world that I need to be paying attention to, they recognize the lack. And I also think we can be grateful that, you know, mental health and self-care is really in the forefront right now. A lot of people talk about mental health, importance of that, self-care, what do you need? And it's something we were never really taught. I mean, do you remember growing up and being like, don't forget your self-care? Like, when did that happen to us? You know, when we were younger, it was never that. It was meet this deadline, be here, do this thing. Right. And now it seems to be very, very different, or at least it's evolving into this reminder of, hey, this is also important. You are important. You need to take care of you. You're not just a cog in the wheel of our society, right? You're a part of it, but we have to take care of ourselves first before we can we can help others. And I just wanted to just jump back really quick. You You asked like what can be done to support the kids in this way. And I think that that's really where <clears throat> the parents and the caregivers um, can model the behaviors that they want the children to see and learn how and show how they connect in and they take care of themselves and they don't sacrifice themselves, you know, and their boundaries, right? And I think the more that we can show kids and then also teach them how to be mindful, how to be present, making them aware of what they're feeling, maybe energetically, maybe emotionally, what do you sense, right? And, and really helping them attune to what they are. I think that's a really effective tool in helping to cultivate just good people. <laughs> yes, just, just good, kind, kind people, yeah. yeah. So Michael, when, when someone comes to you and, and let's say they've had a loved one pass and, and they ask you about your work and they don't know much about mediumship. And of course they're in a, you know, in a hard, hard place. Let's say it's been a month or so mm-hmm. since, since that has happened, or let, let's say a couple of months. Um, what do you, how do you explain your work, your work to them? Yeah. So, um, you know, that, that is something that we really spend a lot of time understanding is how to work with people who are in grief, right? Because grief is going to be so different for each person and each person is going to have be at different places in that process. Um, and so when, the first thing I would do is just kind of assess where they're at and see if I need to just listen, right? Or if it's, or if there's something for me to inform them, right? So I first need to kind of assess. So each time is going to be different, but let's assume that they're in a place where they are ready to kind of explore this. And this is an, a helpful part of their healing process. Um, I, would, I would begin by just explaining to them the, the reality that life is continuous, right? I would explain to them that, you know, when we pass, um, it is a blink of an eye, right? It's a, it's a breath away. We're a breath away from all of those that we love on the other side. That's it. And when you kind of think about it, you realize, wow, we're actually a lot closer to them 
than it, that it seems. Um, and then I would kind of explain to them how the how this interaction with the spirit world is going to work and why it works. So kind of giving them a little bit of uh, education on, on that sometimes can actually help them see that, oh, wait, there's something more to this rather than just like, this person's just doing some woo-woo magic. Woo-woo stuff, right? Yeah. It's like, no, no, no. There's actually, there's a reason this works. You're a spiritual being. They are a spiritual being. They still continue on. But really it's the work itself that's going to actually impact them because I can say things till the cows come home, but until they have their own experience with knowing and feeling the presence that their loved one is there, that's really where the value and the healing comes for that individual. So it's all going to depend on the state that they're in because some people are going to be, you know, you're talking to someone in a fog right? They can barely hear you. Right, right. Um, and that's, and that is often the case when someone is heavily in grief, or they're looking for something so desperately or specifically. And so sometimes I'll explain these things. Other times I'll just say, this is how it's going to work. And I'm just going to let the spirit take over and let them do what is needed for this person. So it all just kind of depends. I, I usually try to respond to what their needs are. Right. Right. Makes sense. Yes. Do some people come to your mediumship trainings who don't necessarily want to be a medium, but they just want to get, you know, they, they just want to understand this and they're, and they're curious. And if yes, you're saying yes. Yeah. And what, around what percentage is that? Yeah. It's so funny. I was thinking of a percentage when you were asking that question. Um, <laughs> I, I would say it's about like 30%. Yes, maybe, maybe yeah. even 35, something like that. But it's definitely right. a, a good little chunk of it um, that people are like, I don't really want to become a medium. I just want to be able to connect to my own people or my own spirituality. Um, and absolutely, I think that is a completely legitimate and powerful and important thing because for me, mediumship isn't an answer. Okay, so I know that sounds weird to come from a medium. Mediumship isn't an answer it's a tool and it's a tool in a way of exploring life, of exploring the other side of the spirit world, of your spiritual nature. So it's not this like, here's the answer to all of life's mysteries. It's more, here's a portion of this truth, explore the rest. Here are some tools on how you can discover what else is true. That's in one, one way that I would say that my mediumship and my understanding of it has evolved over the years. Because I think in the beginning of my journey, there was very much like, if I can know that this thing is real, then I've arrived. <laughs> you know, I know that there's more life after death. But once you get there, you kind of go to yourself, okay, well, what now? What does that mean for everything? And then you're hit with all these other questions that come. So now I know it's amazing what we can do psychically. I mean, I recently got into um, kind of developing my ability with like missing persons cases and things like that and shocked at the, how, how well that worked. And, you know, so I, there's so many different amazing things that we can do with our awareness. To me, now it's like I have, I already know that people continue on. I already know all of that. What else is there? There must be yeah. more. And I can use these skills that I've cultivated to discover and experience our beautiful world in a totally different way. So that's kind of how I feel 
uh, about our, it's not the answer. It's a, it's a tool set that we can use to help us find more truth. Right. Well, it's so true that when you meet, you know, like when I've met with you or I've met with someone and the, the knowledge comes through, like you're saying, it's, it's transformative, it's life-changing, but then how does that help me in my life? And, and it does, it does. <laughs> so how do you um, believe one lives differently after there is a knowing that life continues And in knowing that it continues in a place so loving and beautiful and which is many near-death experiencers most call home, you know, where we will, we will, we will, we will all be. How do you think, what have you seen that people, how people live differently after they know this? Yeah, it's interesting because I think there's levels of knowing and understanding. Um, I think for those who have an idea that this thing is true, there's still this sort of reworking process and this kind of revalidating experience that occurs. Revalidating, yeah, yes, yeah. over and over and Exactly, over, yes. yeah. And then you have those who really have had some sort of experience where, for example, near-death experience, where that really starkly, there's a huge transformation that occurs for those people. And so I think most people live somewhere in between once you kind of already have an idea, someone's somewhere on the continuum. But I would say overall, there's a lot more peace. There's a lot more, I mean, when we lose our, as Gordon Smith would say, as we lose our fear of death, we lose our fear of living. Yes. And I think that that is such a true statement. The more that we are no longer afraid to of losing our awareness or losing ourselves, we, we stop fearing life and all of its expressions and all of its experiences because we start to see that uh, this is just the play. This is just the story. This is, yes, it causes me to feel pain or loss or grief or love or happiness and joy, but all of these are just colors in, in the art that is our life, right? These are just shades in the experience. And I think it helps us to learn to be in a place of more acceptance of what is. And it's also a nice anchor to return to every time that the world starts to seem like too much. We're able to kind of take that step back and go, wait a second, I'm much more than all of this story. And is this that important, right? Is this argument or this thing I'm upset about with my friend or my husband or my partner, is that, worth this stress and strife, right? We're able to kind of take that reset point because actually really we're all love. Really this is all about love. And it's our lived experiences, this experience of being close and having love near us and feeling that sense of separation from that love. And so if that is the case, what can we do in our lives to cultivate as much love as we can? How do we return back to that space that's not to say we don't go into, you know, the heaviness and loft because what is grief, but, you know, love that had ended, right? Very, 
mirroring. Yeah. And so, you know, it's all about love. That's all our connections are. That's all really what this whole thing is, is this, is this love. And that's what people who have had these near-death experiences and with the spirit world always come forward to say. Right. So true. So we need to wrap it up here, but just to, I want to briefly talk about um, your institute sure. and when, when the online classes will begin and when you think in, well, I guess your spirits kind of, when you think that you might have a physical, physical yeah. place and also just a teeny bit about, I know you haven't named it yet, but your, your book that yeah. you recently wrote in one month. Sure. Yeah, we could definitely talk about that. <laughs> so um, number one, um, the the Oak Bridge Institute, which I'm really, really proud of. Um, we kind of came to the name or I came to the name. I, I knew the spirit was going to bring it to me um, because I heard the, we were, we were kind of getting to a certain point and I was like, I just heard the phrase, love is the bridge between you and everything from Rumi, right? And so then I was like, okay, that feels there's something there, right? The bridge, but I was like, mm, can't call it the bridge. That sounds a little culty. <laughs> so I'm not going to call it the bridge. Um, <laughs> but I, I wanted to emphasize that, right? The bridge, because that's what I feel. Mediums are the bridge, but so is love. Love is that bridge between all of us. Um, and then I came to um, put oak in front of it. I thought it sounded nice. But when I looked up the, what oak means, it's about longevity. It's one of the most sturdy woods. It's about knowledge, wisdom, um, uh, foundations, right? All of these sorts of things. So it fits perfectly with, with yes. sort of my thing. So it's kind of how I came into the naming of it. Um, but then uh, the way it is built right now, right now we are building out um, a progressive course. So right now we have our foundations one, two, and three that people can participate in. Um, these are seven week courses. Uh, those are going to start up again in the new year, um, probably somewhere January, February. We have to kind of go into the calendar and, and look at all that. But then it moves into an intermediate level and then an advanced level. So it's probably going to be the, the progressive course will be about three years is what the progressive right. course will be. Um, then we're also going to offer, and this is what's why I'm currently training teachers and tutors to, to work with us. Um, we'll also be offering weekly classes for beginner, immediate, advanced, for mental mediumship, healing, psychism. We're going to have all of those weekly classes available as well. Um, and then also uh, one-off events like demonstrations, workshops, this sort of thing. So all of that will be happening um, as we kind of build towards. Right now we're in sort of the soft launch. So as we kind of move into the big spring of next year, all of that should be up and running. Um, and then, yeah, and then Hopefully, I'm just, I wait for the spirit. I mean, even, even with the Oak Ridge, what I felt it was time to start actively working on it, creating it, it happened like that. I had a dream. <laughs> and in the dream, they said, here's what you need to do. This is what it's going to look like. And then, boom. And then the next day I said, okay, I got the sign. <laughs> it's time to start. And then everything went just fast into this production um, of all of this. So uh, I am so excited to check this out. And I guess it's okay to say that this is going to be your, what, what your vision was, the Arthur Finley yeah, you know, of, of the Americas. Yes, absolutely. which 
Uh, I'm just, I'm so excited. I'm even more excited that you're the one founding it. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited too. And, you know, the whole philosophy of it is to create a safe, nurturing, positive wow. space for everyone. Um, and then hopefully it will eventually turn into a physical location that will be a retreat style uh, location where you come, you stay there, you eat there, everyone is there together. That's such a fun aspect of, of yes. learning that way. Um, and then with my book, um, because of my experience with the Shift Network, I was uh, offered a book contract with uh, Llewellyn uh, Publishing, and I was super excited about that. But um, that was actually offered to me in the summer, and I kind of put it off, put it off, put it off, put it off, because I was doing all these other things. And then they go, hey, were you planning on writing that book? Because if you were, if you wanted to be published by next fall, uh, you're going to have to get that to us by the end of October. <laughs> and I'm like... Okay. And so I cleared my schedule and I banged out a book essentially in about three weeks. So now it's in its like, you know, working process, um, but I'm really excited about it. It's going to be, so it'll be a good well, You know, Michael, it's so, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart, you're just so approachable and so approachable is not really a good word, but just so trustworthy and so honorable. And this is exactly what we need, you know, in this world. And thank you. Thank you for doing all that you're doing because you really are like a pioneer of this today. You're like a Gordon Smith of the day. Eileen Davies. <laughs> Well, thank you. That's very, very kind. And, um, no, no, I really feel that in my, in my heart, because, you know, I've been, I've met quite a few people, but thank you so much for doing this and, and for coming on the show today. And is there any, are there any words of wisdom you'd like to share before we, before we sign off? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I just want to just say to people that, um, you know, trust in your ability to get through it because you know this time period has been so so much and i truly believe that we are all we all have within us the ability to rise above whatever challenges whatever things are coming because that's how we evolve that's how we change that's how we become the better if we all were going to just live in peace and bliss all the time we would have stayed in the spirit world <laughs> but we're here to learn and grow and and there is there is always hope and uh, and i always say you know um in the end everything will be okay um if it's not okay yet it's not the end <laughs> so that i think we'll all we'll all get there to the other side of this together and better for it i think absolutely well, thank you very much, Michael, and hopefully I'll see you in Orange County one of these days soon. I'm actually still in Colorado. I look forward to it, Marla. I love that. Me too. Me too. Take good care of yourself. Thank you. Okay. And if people want to find you quickly. Yeah. Uh, Instagram at Media Michael Mayo, my website, Media Michael Mayo, and then the Oak, uh, the Oak Bridge uh, website is oakbridgeinstitute.org. Great. Okay. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening in today. 
If you want to learn more about the show, you can find us at interviewswithinnocence.com and on Facebook or Instagram at interviewswithinnocence. Please write me a message. Tell me what you liked and let me know what else you would like to hear. I would love to hear from you. And if you liked what you heard, please leave us an iTunes rating and review. It helps other listeners find the show. Thank you. Thank you.